0: Good to be back, hey! It's uh, it's so good to like you know this is a time of year where it's it's like just us, you know, like you look around there. I see just a, a few faces I don't recognize, but it's like this is the the core, you know, the the people who live here almost all is. Is anybody here that's not all year long? You guys, all right, just a couple. Well, welcome. Um, uh oh man it's just it's good to be back we're we're uh you know sometimes when you're on vacation or you take a break of some kind and you you think uh when it gets to be a day or two or a week or something before you have to go back and you're like uh well i didn't feel that at all so um really thankful for that i i'm uh i'm glad to be here we're glad to be here and we love you all and we love this place and we're just we're thankful to to walk through life together um this is, this is a messy and beautiful place. Have you noticed that? Don't, you don't have to be here very long. I was just talking to a couple. They've been here four months, and they're talking about you know how they love it, and they're plugging in and learning about it. And it's like, you know, just the beauty and the messiness just goes, you know, it just grows. I mean, you guys will learn that. <laughs> um, very thankful that I'm a part of a church that values uh, restoring its leaders and not just driving people into the ground but encouraging break and time and rest for leaders wherever they're serving. Um, that's a, a sign of a good organization. I'm thankful to be a part of that. Um, I think you should be glad to be a part of a church that encourages that because it keeps us fresh for the long haul, uh, keeps us serving in a, in, in a way that uh, uh, is healthy for all of us for <clears throat> the future, not just for the immediate so, very thankful for that. We just finished a series that uh, many of you have, have been a part of and, and heard uh, changed. And I learned a lot, especially in those first few weeks that I was here for that. I hope you continue to be blessed and were challenged and fed through that. Uh, we finished that last week with Jim. And Jim, wherever you are, I appreciate you filling that in. Uh, heard from several people how great uh, ending that was to that series. Thank you. Um, We're changing gears for five weeks. We're going to be looking at who it is that OB Joyful is. And uh, that's why this is called This Is Us. Obviously a little bit of a nod to the TV show, but uh, we're talking about who we are. And we do this every year. And so some of you will be like, well, yeah, we did that last year. You know, I've, I've heard this. But here's the thing. We have continually got to refocus and be inspired about who it is that we are uniquely in this church, in this town Uh, in what what, what we are as a church so that we are confident in what we are doing. If we just show up at church and we sit and we hear some stuff and we grow a little bit but we never are a part of the whole and what's really going on then we're missing most of what we're about. So that's what these next five weeks are about. And this particular Sunday we're going to start with our mission. And that's these words. If you'll fill those up there for me, uh, in g- amazing 1970s fat letters, uh, <laughs> we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. When you when someone says, "What is the mission of Obi Joyful Church?" These are the words that can come out of your mouth. We follow Jesus. Now, for a long time, reconciliation has been at the top of a guiding force of what we are. The, the key word. And we, what we've done is we changed, we built reconciliation into our core values, our DNA. Reconciliation runs through everything that we do. But we wanted a word or a phrase that would succinctly be communicable and, and, and memorable for everyone in our body or even people outside of our body to say. Right? So the idea behind this we follow Jesus statement is that it's very easy to repeat. It's very easy to say, and it says a lot. If someone in the community says, hey, Scott, or hey, Nancy, hey, hey John, what is this church about? What, what's your main thing? Then we can say, this is what it is. We follow Jesus. Within the church, it has more robust meaning because we, we get it, and we're going to talk about more today what that means, outside the church, when you talk to somebody outside the walls, then then they'll hear something that they can get a hold of. They can can, uh, picture Jesus. They can understand what it means to follow, and they can see that it's a group of people and individuals following Jesus. So that's where this is coming from. There's a... There's a sense of clarity within that. But I also want to point out to you what the next four messages are going to be about, and that's our DNA, that the core values, the stuff that we're made of, that all flow back to this, to the fact that we follow Jesus. So we're just going to put these up on the screen, and you just got to build these into your head and heart. So one of the key pieces of this is that we abide in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus is something fuller and more... Uh, it's differently robust than saying we follow Jesus. We abide in Jesus. We have a little picture of a hand with a plant that is abiding there. It's, it's in that hand. And so we'll talk more about that. And then the next one, let's see what we... We go together. So this is a community of people that are walking together through life, through the messiness, the beauty uh, of, this, uh, of this community and creating community in Christ. We go together. And then... We are heat and light. We are heat and light in this community and in the world and among each other. And we have a little picture of a a campfire for that. You can get an idea of what that is. And then we pass the baton. We are in the business of handing off our faith to other people and handing off our faith to the next generation. So we have a little image of that as well. So those little pictures are for me mostly to remember, but maybe they'll help you as well because I need a lot of help Remember, even four simple phrases like that. But that's our DNA. But we're going to spend time today on this idea uh, that we follow Jesus. And I've got three points. I bet you'll never guess what they are. We follow Jesus. Okay? So this is it. We is the first, and follows the second, and Jesus is the third. And I just want to say, if you are someone who is seeking, who's kind of exploring who Jesus is and what this is that we're doing here in church, uh, this is a good a chance for you to just get a snapshot of what this is about. If you are a believer, someone who has put your faith in Jesus as the one who can reconcile you to God because you could not do it, and he did that for you by the, his death and proof of his death, his resurrection. And by faith you've come to him. If you believe in Jesus, if you are his follower, then this this has profound implications to how you live and who we are deep down inside. So first, we need to talk about what it is that I, we mean by "we." Uh, when I say "we," I mean you <laughs> and me, all of us. If you're a believer, a couple of things about this idea of "we" and. In, I get, here, let me give you this little heading. We are just passing through. Before we get to the scripture on this, I, just, I want you to see that we are just passing through. Humans, all humans generally understand that we are not forever in the world. That we are passing through this world, right? People who don't know God, don't know Jesus, don't understand a creator or anything like that, get the idea that we are passing through. But if we're believers, we see that there is a different purpose behind us passing through this world. And we have hope of a future that has been reconciled, a hope of a restored future, all those things we are praying for this morning, things that uh, reflect suffering that we are going through. We have hope of those things being restored because things are going to be made right. Right? And we're going to experience that. So when we pass through, it means something different. We don't just end in dirt. But I want to ask you to think about this as residents of Crested Butte. To think about this differently. Because we truly are passing through this town. We are passing through this town and this mic is passing off of my. Here we go. There we go. Oh, yeah. That's good. Hopefully, that's better. We are passing. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, over the past several years. Consider it for a second. Very few of us will pass away in Crested Butte. I've been here five years. You're, you want to know how many? services of people who have died of old age I've been a part of in this town? Zero. None. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Very few people are born here and live to pass away and be buried in this cemetery over here. Okay? My guess is that most of you are in the category of people who will not pass away here. Now, there are those of us who are here for a weekend for a week and then there's like the six weeks and buy a home and stay longer and then there's I know if you've been here very long you know there's the one and out two and out three and out out. it it happens people move and, and life changes and that's that's how things go but there's something very unique and I want us as a church to really grasp this because it matters to us as we as the As believers, Bible-believing, Christ-following believers in this town, is that we are just passing through this town. And so my question is, what is it that you and I, that we are going to leave in this town? Are we just here to absorb, to, uh, as people like to say, live the dream, you know, and gather in and just have experiences and see how beautiful it is? Are we here to make a difference? Because you're not, okay, you can, you can disagree with me here. Likely is, you are not going to be here for more than 40 years. Okay, that's the, the longest extent. Maybe you make it that far. But most of us, it's going to be a shorter window. What are we leaving here? What are we doing for this town? What I want to do is suggest to you that the very best possible thing you can do as a believer, by far, is to do this very thing right here. It's not to be a part of some project or any, even the, anything in particular except that it flows from those words right there. Jesus is preeminent in all that we do and we follow him. And when that is happening amongst believers, that will leave a change. That will leave permanent and eternal impact. Not just be what we got from living here because we do love living here. We love waking up and seeing, and like, Roger prayed. We love when the storm comes. We're like, is it really going to happen? You know, we love all these pieces of living here. But are we following Jesus? I just want to ask you, we must ask ourselves that question. We are just passing through this town. And one more thing about that. There is an urgency because of that. I was listening to a church planner in New York, uh, a guy who's working there to, is, as rapidly as possible, bring the gospel to a town that it just seems like an immeasurable number of people, right? And so what he said, he just said this one phrase, and I just stopped on it. And I went back, and I w- was watching this little video, and I watched him again a couple times. He says, here's what I want to say. When we're engaging our city, this moment matters. When we, you and I, in the church, are engaging our city, this moment matters. It matters. You can't put it off. We're temporary here. So make this moment matter. And I want to encourage us to think like the first church thought. I mean, picture that. You, you probably can remember when those first people that, uh, came into uh, knowledge of Jesus. Do you remember uh, the disciples and a bunch of the followers of Jesus were in Jerusalem And the Holy Spirit arrives as Jesus had promised. And when that happens, there's, and and by the way, the the other part of the setting is that there are people from all kinds of nations, from from Asia, uh, or further east in Asia, from Egypt, Africa, uh, and north of Jerusalem, and all that. All these people are in Jerusalem, and they all speak different languages. And so when the Holy Spirit comes and these people are waiting and they're looking to see what do we do next, what's Jesus got for us next. Holy Spirit comes and they start talking about Jesus without even knowing it in the languages of these people. This is the first miracle like that. And the people are totally intrigued. They're like, what is going on here? And that's when Peter, who was, remember, so afraid just a few weeks earlier, Peter stands up and he preaches. And when he preaches, 3,000 people decide to follow Jesus. Okay? So that's the, the start of the church, let me, uh, let me read it to you. Let's put it up there. Because what happens is, Peter points the people of the, these new believers to one person, to one thing. His whole message is about one thing, one person. Men of Israel, this is from Acts 2.22. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, which we studied recently, that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I mean, Peter goes right in there and tells them the hard truth and the good truth. Right there, and people follow Jesus the whole beginning of the church is focused on who he is and what he has done and our place in relation to him. And you know what those people did? Now, p- think about this for a second in our little context here in little Crested Butte at the end of the road. These people from all with all these different languages and backgrounds and things came together and there the disciples shared the truth of Jesus with them, and what happened? They changed the world. They changed the world. They went, not only did some stay there and build a church, they impacted Rome, Africa, Asia. It went on and on, out from there. They went back to their homes and brought the truth with them. And they didn't have the Bible that we have. They didn't have all the information that we have. They just had the the knowledge of the story of Jesus. Do you see how that ties in? I think it's so amazing that this is what happens in our totally unique little town. People come here and they want something beautiful. And the people who live here, which is you and I, have something to offer them. And that's what Peter and the disciples did at that time. So following Jesus right now, right here, it really matters. It makes a difference. Your part in that really matters. Because there's not that many of us. But y'all, as I've told you before, 10% of the valley is a part of Ob Joyful Church. How much impact can we have? Were, we're 10% of the people who became believers in Jerusalem, was that 10% of the population of Jerusalem? No. 3,000? No. no. But think about it for us. What kind of impact can we have? If we're following Jesus, if that's who we're pointing to, just like Peter did. He didn't tell him how to live. He said, what I want to do is make sure you know who this guy is. Okay, so, we, we, we are important, and and right now matters, to us and to God. Now let's talk about the word follow. I want to read you from, to you from Mark 8, 34. This is something you've heard before, I am sure. This is Jesus, and he's called his disciples together and the crowd. He says, calling the crowd and his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I don't know how you feel when you hear that or read that, but there's almost no time that I come to that passage and I'm like, feel really great about myself, you know? But I want to take it apart just for a moment and talk about what Jesus is saying about following him just in this little window. We're, we're, we're scratching the surface of what it means to follow Jesus, but just as a thumbnail, this, this is one of those key places. And I want to point something out to you that I did not know, but I learned in studying this, and I, I wish I had known. There are two main words in the Greek for follow. And they're in this passage right here. In fact, uh, when Jesus uses these words, th- th- this is repeated in the other Gospels, almost verbatim. And he talks about, and he uses the word for follow, and he uses a, another way to say follow, and I'll, and I'll point this out in a second. But one of those words, follower, is the same word that's the root of a word we know uh, today would be acolyte. Do you remember, um, uh, well, let me, let me st- hold on there for a second. It, the idea of acolyte is someone who is in the process of following. So when Jesus, uh, when he fed the 5,000, do you remember he did that? And then he went around the other side of the lake with his guys. And those people like ran over there and said, hey, Jesus, Will you do something else for us? We want to be your followers. And he said, you know what? You're only following me because you want something. Remember that? He's, they're called followers, but they're not. And that word follower gets used for people all the way through the continuum of maturity in following Jesus up until you get to the word disciple. So uh, he called his disciples And he said to them, if anyone would come after me, another way of saying follow, he must take up his cross and... He must let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And this is the acolyte word. Let him follow me, actively move in my direction. But disciple is a different word. And I have always thought disciple and follow were the same word. Like they were just translating it differently to make it kind of flow better. But y'all disciple is not exclusively but very regularly that word is used for people who are close like the 12 so there's this concept of this movement of the acolyte person who's who's growing in christ to get to that point where they are a disciple and a disciple is close and even as a disciple you remember those guys they had trouble you know they weren't perfect but there, what this shows us is there's this process of becoming a follower and, and moving forward in imperfection. We don't have to be there right at the beginning. We don't have to be perfect to be a follower. Because look at this. Uh, I love the fact that Jesus very purposefully says this word, and it's repeated in all of these, if anyone... When he, when he said anyone, and we read it, we were like, yeah, duh, everyone, everyone's equal, everybody gets a fair shake, everybody, you know, no. That is not what they heard. They heard, wait a second, I thought it was just us. That was just us who are like so close, uh, or uh, we who are Jewish people only. And Jesus says, no, I am here for anyone. And did you see there's no prerequisites in that? Prerequisite uh, with anyone is, pretty much non-existent, right? Anyone. That means, y'all, we cannot disqualify ourselves from being a follower of Jesus. And, you know, Claire and I have this talk from time to time, and she'll say, gosh, I read stuff like this, or I think about, am I following Jesus well? Am I, Or am I just totally broken and messing it all up? I'm like, well, Claire, I I can't answer for sure because I I, I don't know, but I do know that there is this word right here. If anyone follows me. So, part of that is the we. Another part of it is what it means to be a follower. Being a follower of Jesus is open to anyone regardless of their background. Anyone. And then, that little phrase he says, if anyone would come after me. That's a little statement that sounds to me like a little bit more than passive. Passive. If anyone would come after me, would pursue me, would be aggressively uh, going in my direction, right? If anyone would come after me, that's where the application question comes in for me. Am I pursuing Jesus? Does my life, if, if you were to like look at it and look at my schedule all week and see what I did, would it reflect, or would you look at it and say, hey, this is proof that Scott is following Jesus in in this sense, aggressively and actively going after Jesus? Or is his relationship with Jesus more passive? And like, uh, let me absorb some of that good stuff that you have and I'll read a little bit. Or am I pursuing him? When we start to look at what it means to follow, it includes the idea of being more aggressive and getting after it and not just letting, you know, osmosis come, you know, hoping that we're going to get Jesus rubbed off on us, Right? but seeking him and pursuing him. A couple more aspects of this that I want us to see and what it means to follow that Jesus lays out for us right here. One of them is that we are so focused on him that we are able to deny ourselves. Now, let that sink in with you for just a moment. If we're, When we are so focused on Jesus, it is possible for us to deny ourselves. When we have a larger purpose driving us, we are able to set ourselves aside and become second. Now, there is a way that we think we can say, well, if I just act this way and and do this for this person and sort of sacrifice myself, I'll get this. These things will happen. And what we're doing then is we're just manipulating the situation. Okay, so that's one aspect. The other aspect is like this. When I deny myself because I'm following Jesus, I see that my reward and my relationship with him is in the future, is more important, is the thing that I'm looking at, not what's happening right here. It's a whole different way of life. And it plays so much into that idea of making a difference as we pass through. Because we can sacrifice ourselves, we can set ourselves aside, deny ourselves because we are attached and focused on something way bigger. Not temporal, but permanent and eternal, and that's Jesus. So, We're not just manipulating. We are focused, so focused on Him that we are able to deny ourselves. Also, I think that this shows that when He says, "I want you to take up your cross," that there is an element of courageousness about what we do that is powerful and very important. Uh, When these guys hurt, it's it's so funny. We we read this and we go, "Yeah, take up your cross." You know, we can picture because we've seen the movie. You know, Jesus is carrying the cross up and then Simon takes the cross and carries it the rest of it. We the the we, we picture that. We know what that looks like. We know he's metaphorically saying something to them. But when they heard this, this was long before the cross, right? This is long before the, the, the uh, conviction, before all of that happened. So when they heard it, they're thinking, wait a second. You want me to... Uh, what you're saying is I'm supposed to like, identify with being totally humiliated and convicted of something in, in, uh, berated in front of people as I drag across to a hill where I'd be killed? See, that must have sounded really weird to them. To us, it sounds like, well, I'm probably not living up to my potential as a Christian, right? To them, it sounded like something different. We can't really put ourselves in their shoes except to say, yeah, That must have been something, when he said that, it must have really triggered something in their hearts and their minds. But for us, I think we can identify with them when what it means is that we are going to need courage to follow Jesus. We will need courage to follow Jesus. So there's courage and focus and humility, there's denying ourselves. These pieces of of what it means to follow are all contingent on us actually keeping our eyes set on him so that he is the greater and the bigger and we're allowed we're able to move through the difficult things. So just a just a thumbnail on following Jesus. And finally, let's look at the the Jesus that we're talking about. Who it is that we're pointing to and who it is that we're adopting the attitude and the heart of. Let me read to you from Philippians two you'll be familiar with this passage. It's a beautiful one that Paul wrote to the church there. In verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Well, that sounds like a a hard place to go with someone. Right? Follow me with a cross to death. But let's take it, let's step back just a little bit and look at it. Paul says, I want you to do this. I want you to have this attitude, this in your heart, in your mind this attitude, look at what Jesus did and follow him in this. This is a, a picture of what Jesus was doing. A couple of things about him. He was so committed to his mission. So, and his mission was to rescue us. He was so committed to that mission that he emptied himself of all of his authority and became like us. And the, that's that word for that in, in uh, theological speak is incarnation. He put on our flesh. He became like us, giving up his rights. Now, if you're like me, and I think many of you are, you've been around the church for at least a little bit, you've heard this a lot, and it's really hard for us to get our minds around what that means. Because the only kings we know about, the only rulers we know about, we're skeptical of, Right? We don't understand why they're making the decisions they make, and frequently those decisions are capricious and even wicked. It's all over the news. It's all the time, even today, right? And we live in a a nation where we want to make everyone equal, and that's been the principle upon, upon which this nation was founded, right? So when we hear about a king, we struggle to understand or even be able to imagine what it means for a king to bring himself into a place of being like his people. Right? I have a hard time with that. I don't... It it doesn't resonate with me except for I feel like I'm reading a storybook about a king, you know, or a Disney movie about a king, you know, getting off the throne and living with the people. That's what it sounds like to me. But here is what is... I hope you could just get just a a tiny bit of this and I, i i'm only barely getting it myself this god who who relinquished his rights and took on flesh did it because of his love for us to restore us to relationship at the complete cost of his life now does that sound like the rulers and the kings that we understand in any part of history Think about that for a second. This is what defines who Jesus is, what his kingship was all about. It wasn't about him dominating us and being better than us. It was about the creation he made and put us in to point him, point us to him and to the Father. And then when we messed that up, he did everything and paid everything in order to restore us and reconcile us. That's the kind of king we're talking about. Not the one that you picture, not the one that I'm thinking, not the storybook one, or not the mean one. That's who this is. And here's the other little note. He he says, he says, uh, he he says he, he went to the cross and gave up his life for us. He suffered for us. And remember if you look back To what we just read a little bit earlier, he said, take up your cross and follow me. Remember that? Well, Jesus doesn't say, take up your cross and follow me and die. He says, follow me, and later, he does the dying. He takes our place. When he says, take up your cross, take up a cross, this cross, and follow me, he is the one who will carry it in your place and in my place. That's the kind of king we're talking about. He would lower himself from there all the way to here, but because he values us so highly. This is who we are following. This is the Jesus that we're following. Let me just close with this thought. It's the second part of what uh, Paul says to the Philippians. It comes right after that last passage in verse nine. It says, Jesus emptied himself, became like us, went to the cross. And therefore, and this is this is where we're going. This is this is where we're going with Jesus. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven, and on earth and under the earth, in every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, that's where we're going when we're following Jesus. And the very best place that we can be, personally, the very best place we can be is a church. The very best place we can be if we want to have more than a passing impact in the community, this beautiful community we live in. The best place we can be is following Jesus because where we're going to end up is in a place that is restored, where he is above all things. And every. This is where everybody's going anyway. Let's get there early. Let's meet him there. Let's meet him there. Let me pray for us. God... Uh, I thank you that you sent your son. I thank you that as the triune holy trinity in all parts, you somehow made a way for us to be right with you. God, I pray that this church would bring the beauty of reconciliation to our community and far beyond our community. Uh, Lord, may people come to this place and have a taste of who you are through the reflection of your church, of us, of we. Lord, as we follow him, may we bring good to this community. And God, may we just relish the day when things are made right and every knee bows before your son. God, let us uh, sing these words, uh, bring honor to you as we as we close this morning. Amen.